Welcome back to the Ink Sync. I am Annie. I'm Kaylee. And we are the publishing podcast for the rest of us. How are you been, Kaylee? How are you doing? Work is um hellish, but good. Yeah. But mildly hellish. Um just very busy. Um so, you know, I actually really do like my job. I do like my employer. Oddly enough, considering it's on a corporate <laughs> you show. Have, I mean, it's considered but one of the best employers in Maryland, so. It is genuinely, like, they're wonderful. I'm not naming yeah. names. I'm not going to be that much of a shill. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, just busy. Just very busy. It's um, been a lot. Yeah, I have a massive team, which is unfortunate for a product owner. <laughs> yeah. It's so many people. Way more than I'm supposed to have. Yeah. We haven't released the What Can You Do at the BA in English episode, but we did talk about Kaylee's journey to become the beautiful professional woman that she is today. <laughs> and it's uh, about as as terrifying as you, you might Circuitous. <laughs> Ge- both geographically as well as there like, bit, professionally. There are cliffhangers. <laughs> There's like suspense in this story. You you'll hear it one day. Um, I'm talking it up now. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to re-record like a Thelma and Louise, like basically just us reading the Thelma and Louise skit but adding in corporate <gasps> terms should. or something. Yes. Yeah, perfect. Synergy. Ah! <laughs> oh, I don't know why people don't give us our own television. Show. I agree we're delightful it's okay we made our own podcast so it's fine it's cool it's pretty close yeah. it's about the same i think it's the same yeah welcome back we are here talking about poetry today this is kaylee's like favorite topic and it is my least favorite topic so this is going to be a fun one um kaylee's going to be doing most of the talking trying to convince me that poetry is good i've never actually been a huge poetry fan i have to say i can t- i can tell you when that crystallized for me there wasn't a moment an event oh, there was an event. i didn't know there was a specific moment there's an event there's a story and it's gonna have an end so i hope you're ready Okay. I was a do-gooder in undergrad, I'm sure you can imagine. No. I was very active in my English department. I know this is all surprises for everyone. But I volunteered to help sit at the table and take tickets for a spoken word poetry event. Oh. And for those of you who don't know what spoken word is, it's like when your friend thinks he's a rapper but isn't. <laughs> it's about as bad as that. So I was sitting there and I'm watching these people do their spoken word with very, very long sentences, with very little rhythm, talking for like four hours. So I went outside <laughs> and I do feel bad about this. So there's like a reception afterwards, but I still had to take tickets because there were separate tickets for the reception. So I had to take tickets for the reception. And like, as I'm sitting there, I wrote a poem about how much I hate poetry. <laughs> and some guy walks up and he's just like, oh, you didn't like it either. Huh? <laughs> and then he like handed me a glass of red wine and walked away. Um, that's it's, pretty great. That's the, 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 the patron saint of poetry hating right there. That little I don't know. Man. I mean, that feels... <laughs> traditional to me to be honest like i'm in i'm in i think you just haven't you didn't you didn't find your genre i didn't i didn't that's true all right kaylee take it away why why do we love poetry or why should we love poetry well okay you don't have to love poetry thank you i appreciate but you should appreciate the fact that poetry exists because for the longest time and we didn't have recorded language we didn't it's true oral poetry is the oral tradition in general is oral storytelling, um, which is not all oral port oral poetry, just to be clear. But oral poetry is 
words by story um communication you're attempting to convey that relies on a meter of some sort it is in fact the oldest form of recorded i guess storytelling like and this is beowulf we have fragments of it yeah but those fragments that are recorded i.e written they're pretty sure were just recorded late and same thing with like the homeric epics Homeric, I did know that they were in rhyming verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the Odyssey, the Iliad. In the Greek. They're not rhyming in English, no. obviously. But poetry in general, because of its rhythmic, the rhyme, the meter, it is much easier to remember in lengthy form. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, as a, as a people, back before, you know, even after we'd had the written language, like, it's not like it was widespread for, like, up until, like... I don't know, the 16 or 1700s, it was all like handwritten, illuminated text sort of bullshit. Right. Like, it's not like the printing press was around for, has been around for the, even the majority of human history. Right, yeah. It's been around for like a thumbnail amount of time as far as like our record, you know, history goes. I don't have a stat off the top of my head, but I think that a significant portion of the human population is still illiterate. (laughs) I mean, spiritually, if not. (laughs) Ooh, burn. (laughs) Not literally. Speaking of Twitter. Uh, got him. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway. So, but the fact that you have a rhyme, the fact that you have a meter and you know the rules of, of this. So you learn a set of rules that can apply to a, a huge body of works. That helps you as somebody that takes information and knowledge, like the instruction that you want to disperse amongst the people that helps you take it places and keep it with you and keep it in roughly the same form. There's knowledge that's been handed down in like Aboriginal tribes for for centuries, almost word for word because of these traditions. When people talk about oral traditions, is poetry almost exclusively what they're talking about? Or are there different types of oral traditions? No, there are different types of oral traditions for sure. It's just that Especially the the lengthier you get, it's much harder to bring with you and to, to remember correctly. So, like, the the things that are more likely to have been remembered. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are... I mean, that's just, it's just easier. Like, mm-hmm. and we're a lazy people. And um, <laughs> we're an efficient people. Speaking of Twitter. I'm sorry. We're going to stop. It's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, it's, I mean, and, and if you're trying to be a traveling minstrel bard, etc., a knowledge bringer. Um, which they had very important jobs back in the day. You know, they had to be able to physically remember all of this. Even if they could write, they couldn't carry around a bunch sure. of a bunch of books. It's not like they had like a wheeling a wheelie suitcase that they could just drag with them. <laughs> like no, and they had to be able to leave quickly. They could be pursued by, you know, bad people, bandits, wildlife, <laughs> the weather. <laughs> Guys, again, only recently has the world become safer for us as a people. It's for true. the most part, everything has always tried to kill us. Was, always the end. I was just trying to think of, like, uh, the last D&D campaign I was in. Like, if our bard had had a wheelie suitcase. <laughs> right? Oh, man, that's funny. It would have been probably so A+, plus, actually. If they had gone full nerd with, like, a little, like, wheelie backpack and glasses or something, that would have been really... So, yeah, so just generally speaking... You have to build on the foundations of what has come before. And if you don't know what has come before, it's so much harder to grow and to establish a tradition that you can build off of. Definitely true. And so, like, even if you don't necessarily appreciate poetry, which, again, I would argue that a specific genre that has burned you wouldn't, shouldn't necessarily turn you off of every, every 
form of poetry ever. Too late. It's too late. It already happened. It's too late. <laughs> um, you should but app- you might change me today. Appreciate the historic impact that it has had on the evolution of our species. I can acknowledge that. I can acknowledge and appreciate that without Homer, without Homer's epics, we would not have so much of literature that we have today. That's true. Oh, I mean, that's super and accurate. we wouldn't have Homer's epics at all mm-hmm. if it weren't for the simple act of poetry. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and like major, like major figures in the literary world have have copied the Homeric tradition. And, and again, the Norse Eddas, one hundred percent. Like bards were huge in the Nordic regions at the time. Again, it's fucking cold as shit. All of the weight that they have is their ability to not freeze to death. I just want to be very clear. So they Are were telling me even the Nords didn't have wheelie suitcases. I know, Annie, it's hard to believe. It's hard God. to believe, but when wheelie suitcases were invented, that was when it really humanity truly began. <laughs> it really we really stepped forward then <laughs> as a species. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, not just that they taught us, but people have mimicked it. I mean, you've got the Aeneid, which was written many years later in the tradition of the Homeric epics. You've got... The Aeneid is, uh, just to refresh my memory, that's the, the story of going from Troy to Rome to establish... Yes, okay. that is 100% correct. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've got Dante's Inferno. You've got... That's right. I always forget Paradise that Lost. Poetry. It's because it's, it's, it's not really poetry unless you read it in the original Italian. Well, that's... Okay, so speaking of um, the original language, so... It is poetry in that it just, it, it's poetry. It just doesn't necessarily rhyme um, in English, in the translation. Um, it is still very poetic, especially if you've got a good translation. And again, I don't think that translators get enough credit. I think we've said this before, and yeah. they should. I have a I have a whole thing in my notes to talk about translators, because that is a huge issue right now. Or they're, not getting the, they're not getting the credit. They're not getting any recognition. They're not getting the money either, they're which I honestly, like, you know, on the one hand, I don't always like the fact that we live in a capitalist system and everything's about money. But you know what? These translators got to eat. They have to eat, and also they're doing so much work. And yeah, like okay, I'm I'm the the person who wrote the book originally. Yes, absolutely should be getting a lot of credit, but it is not easy. I I dislike that we have to have this conversation. But the truth is, like if you if you have the ability to take one culture, one cultural set of cultural references, and translate it accurately into another. I can't even tell you how many times I don't even understand my own cultural references. You have to have the clarity of two, two different separate things That's and do amazing. them well. Absolutely. The translators deserve everything. I, I actually was um, sat in with an interview with um, a translator for one of my classes and she was like, oh yeah, as a matter of course, her, her she had a publishing company. She was like, as a matter of course, all of our works have translators on the front cover they get equal credit and she's like unless it's me because she's like she's really humble she's like i put my i put my name in the in in the inside cover because yeah. it's weird if i put it on the front <laughs> but yeah everybody else she's like i put them all in there because it's it's so important and so necessary and many places don't do that That's and that right. is critical mm-hmm. so i super agree with you so speaking of things that are poetry um, in the original language dante's inferno is rhythmic metric poetry in the Italian, yeah, which it was written in, right, but it did not get translated. Its best translations do not try to mimic that because Italian right. it's got a lot more vowels and it just internally has a lot of internal rhyme that, like English and anything based off of a more Germanic language or that's heavily influenced by a Germanic language loses. And so the uh, lyrical nature of of the verse is lost and becomes at best 
annoyingly sing-songy and at worst loses what's a really cool story, which is potentially the initial first fan fiction of the world. But that's another Definitely story. the most famous self-insert for sure fan fiction i love this man dearly god He's bless so funny he just he was I like love him. i'm going for it i know with virgil shot at his, his shot shot his talking shot about how much he loves him it's so good uh, i mean honestly so, so um anyway so that was your instance of what made you hate poetry was yeah. the initial story that mm-hmm. anecdote that you walked us into what made me like poetry what got me into poetry um it was a scholastic book fair oh yep and it was a very thin volume of some of the most popular verses by Emily Dickinson, who is, again, an American poet. She was from a very well-to-do family, and uh, she just decided, nah, I'm not going to do what's expected of me and what's wanted of me. I'm going to shut myself into my room. She shot her shot. She did. She lived her truth and wrote an actual ton of poetry, literally. And just as a general aside, um, she had to, like, disguise who she was for a lot of her publishing career because... I didn't know that. Yeah, she, they wouldn't publish her if she was a lady. Learned something the other day. I think her poetry, in my opinion, is a very good bridge between classical metered poetry and which rhymes and modern poetry, which doesn't have as much structure and doesn't have to rhyme. So some of her, some of her uh, poetry that I loved, which I'm going to read to you now because it's very short... I'm ready. So hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's not all terrible bongos. (laughs) I'm going to not read too many. There's two that I would like to, to read because you may want to cut one out. Okay. Um, so my favorite poem okay. is going to be the last one I read. Okay. So I better not cut that one out. Don't. Well, you can't. It's <laughs> up to you. You're welcome to cut either one out, all of them out. This is just a little more political. So E.E. E. Cummings um, is one of my favorite poets, and we've already talked about... I don't know that I've heard of E.E. E. Cummings. Oh, well, then I will read you his absolutely batshit poems. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> um, so they're some of my favorite. He was very playful with words, and it feels like the same vibe as Shakespeare when he was writing his his works, or when the conglomerate that was Shakespeare was putting together the assembled works, whatever you want to say. Depending on the conspiracy theory that you ascribe to. Correct. But it's the same vibe of just, like, avant-garde approach to the popular medium or whatever. So this is related more to politics. And then the poetry, the poem that I love the most is um, a love poem. Okay. Um, So both by E.E. Cummings. Next to, of course, God, America, I love you, land of the pilgrims, and so forth. Oh, say, can you see, by the dawn's early, my country, tis of centuries come and go, and are no more. What of it we should worry? In every language, even deaf and dumb, thy sums acclaim your glorious name by gory, by jingo, by gee, by gosh, by gum. Why talk of beauty? What could be more beautiful than these heroic, happy dead who rushed like lions to the roaring slaughter? They did not stop to think they died instead. And then shall the voice of liberty be mute? He spent, he spoke, and drank rapidly a glass of water. <laughs> e. Cummings was not a fan. It's very evocative. Of war. Yeah, yeah. My gosh. Not at all. Yeah. Um, what? When was that written? So it was related to, of course, obviously the mindless patriotism. But I'm just confirming the the war. Yeah, it's World War One because it was 1926. Oof. Yeah. Well, I mean, he um, was feeling it for a while. 
many of the poets, especially some of the most famous poets, were really fucked up by the Great War, which was the first real world war. And that was like, again, speaking yeah, there's of... there's a reason they call it the Great War. Yeah. Speaking of like people that are like, oh no, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. No, like genuinely humanity, even within the last couple hundred years, has been through something that like just not necessarily that is worse, but it's like when you're growing up, the first time you experience something is always going to be the most impactful iteration of that thing. Like we experienced the first world war in the last couple hundred years. It's definitely evocative. I feel like I felt that dude's feeling as he was just like, fuck war. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like, I think that's, that's the thing that I love about poetry is that if you're being genuine as you approach it and you're not trying to be cute and smart or whatever, but you're actually approaching it thoughtfully, it really does evoke the emotions. And we are the same. Like we've talked about this before. For better and worse are the same creatures that we've always been. It's just that we are given at various times in history a greater access to embrace certain parts of ourselves, in my opinion. Like right now, we just have more time to indulge in the, you know, we can be more thoughtful and careful and we don't have to be as um, jaded and sad and tired and ignore all of the bad things because, you know, we live and we die and that's it. Um, We just have the time and the capacity and the luxury to be more considerate. I think that that actually goes to your point, the fact that he was writing that in 1926 and still had all of that feeling that it was the world was not at war. He was able to feel those things and able to express those things and tap into that feeling without having to be at war, Mm -hmm. basically. I think that that's... A lot of them got called. They either they had to serve or Mm -hmm. they lost friends that served and they were able to get out of it or they, they fled to Europe and dodged in a variety of countries dodge the draft or whatever like it was um so and then my last poem that i'll read okay and i will be done with and you can cut this as needed (laughs) i'm not at all mad but i want to destroy this whole episode that's fair (laughs) i just this is my favorite poem i'm gonna read it to you i carry your heart with me i carry it in my heart i'm never without it anywhere i go you go my dear and whatever is done by only me is your doing my darling i fear no fate for you are my fate my sweet I want no world for beautiful, you are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant, and whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud, and the sky of the sky of a tree called life which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Who wrote that? It's E.E. Cummings. Oh. It's beautiful. So um, I started. I think with... we've all felt that when uh, when we're in love. Yeah, for sure. That's good. So. And there are other very good poems. Um, <laughs> I will I will happily recommend anything if anybody wants to write in. If you want, and just let me know like your genre, your vibe. I'll do my best. I do. I read a lot of a variety of poems. I've said before. Uh, um, Ant her soul from nothing is a really good modern poetry for feminist writings. And that's prose poetry and poetry itself. It's a combination without, it's not metric or typically rhyming, uh, but it does have its own music. Here, Bullet's another very good modern verse, same thing. Um, That is from a soldier after the first thrust in Afghanistan. The first Gulf War or the second Gulf War? No. The The second one? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, if anybody has any... Any recommendation requests, I'm happy to provide them. I won't uh, torment anyone anymore. But in my opinion, 
poetry itself is not, it's a very wide, encompassing sort of umbrella. And, you know, it's like with anything, there's bad writing and good writing, and you can be subjected (laughs) to absolute garbage. Yeah. But the really good stuff is the kind of thing that will transcend and help you crystallize a thought or a feeling that can change your life. In my opinion, I'm sorry that you had a bad experience, but no, I, I, I think this is a good conversation. How do you feel about this? These kind of new social media genres of poetry? Oh, fascinated! I love Tumblr poetry. Um, not my favorite poem because I've read that to you, but it is a poem on Tumblr. Let me let me pull it up real quick. While you're doing that, I do want to talk really quickly about like rhythm because I know that that's one of the things that people often talk about in po- and what maybe. One of my main issues is where people will say, you know, there's things that you simply can't do in prose, or there's things you simply can't do in other genres of expression. And one of those things is rhythm or evoking a sound that you can't really do in prose. But I would contend that, you know, the the great prose writers are absolutely evoking those sounds. But I think they're evoking the poetic elements as well intentionally Mm, absolutely but that's my thing is that in my opinion and it's an unpopular opinion and it's probably incorrect but when we talk about poetry the impacts of poetry we're we're still and maybe it's not that we're disagreeing maybe it's that we're absolutely agreeing and you're just like i don't care i just like poetry better i would say that we're talking about literature as a whole because yeah when we're talking about you know oral traditions being remembered you do usually need a rhyming scheme some some mnemonic to hang your head on a hook, and a hook to like circle back to help you remember yeah. it but there are some other stories that hit you so hard that the words themselves don't matter and you can retell that story maybe the details will be wrong maybe you aren't using poetry maybe it's different but the the heart of that story is getting retold and not maybe not necessarily in prose but the information is still moving forward. And I think that there's a lot of, this doesn't count you, you are obviously my dear friend, and I love you. But there are poetry evangelists out there who will say that anyone who doesn't like poetry is just too stupid to understand what? it. No, that's And trash. I very much dislike that idea. There's a snootiness, I think, that comes with some poetry that I think is one of the main barriers that that many people have. So I think that this is part of the poetry versus prose has had a, um, has has certainly had a difficult rap getting into the masses. I mean, and it's just like with anything. Um, when we did go forward with the printing press, you know, they did print literature and quote unquote literature. Well, they printed the Bible, yeah, so. to start with. But they branched <laughs> out. You had your dime stores and your half penny novels, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, romance novels and western thrillers, etc. But like. Poetry for a long time was seen as elevated and academic. Right. And so as with anything that's locked in the ivory tower for so long, that's now making its way out. Um, there are very good grassroots movements and poets and poetry. The poet that was at Biden's inaugural. Amanda Gorman. Yeah, she's yeah. wonderful. It was Incredible. an amazing, amazing work that she wrote. She deserved every accolade that she got. Good poets, I don't think, think that poetry should be separate or kept from people and it's not separate from literature it's not separate from humanity and it's not separate from the emotions that inspired it in my opinion yeah i think you're right i think we agree i I think we agree as well i think that pretentious assholes have given poetry a bad rap and they should fuck off 
I think pretentious assholes exist in every genre too, and, and they're really like the problem in all of them. Verbal, the verbal minority <laughs> in this case for poetry, just because again, it was it was in the ivory tower for so long. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. Where is the line between poetry and prose? Because is this one of those things where there's you know both sides of that line, and the line itself is kind of blurry? So um, I would argue for me, it is. When it's prose poetry, i.e. it's basically like a paragraph that is still somehow a poem, Mm -hmm. it's because they've woven a certain lyricism and rhythmic nature into the grammar. Mm -hmm. It it has grown organically, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, I guess the way that you play with grammar and rhythm and sound would really say whether something has an element of poetry or not, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. But I also think that a lot of prose is poetic, so. Absolutely. Sorry, so we were talking about Tumblr poetry, Ben. Oh yeah, this is a particular poem that I found, and I don't know how well it'll come across outside of red. Mm-hmm. I'll do my best. Okay. Um, you're asexual, but, but sex is what makes us human. In 1916, a French officer in his 20s writes his doctoral dissertation under heavy mortar fire. He sends it by mail, a page at a time, to his wife. A week before he's set to step up on the podium and defend his work rather than his country, he's killed in action. Even as the bullets rip through him, he still wishes he could have become a professor in French literature, and the university awards him a posthumous PhD. But sex. A woman breaks down in tears on the phone because a week is not enough time to get over a breakup. Her sister drives an hour across town, comes up the front steps with a gallon of ice cream and some beer, and together they eat moose tracks and marathon every single Godzilla movie ever made. Sexes. She's late for work, but her car isn't starting, and even through her coat and hat she's cold. She knows she can't be late again because she's missed one time too many already because her father's nurse was sick with the flu and someone needed to help him bathe. The clock ticks past 15 after and she hits the wheel like it's a heavy bag as though that will help. Steps on the gas like the car will go and wonders how she will pay rent and how she will feed her father. Sex. Sex is. It takes three people to hold the predator down because even with the cover over his head, a bleeding eye and shattered wing, he is trying to hurt them. None of them have seen this bird before in their lives, but they bandage his wings and head and give him a painkiller and put him in a warm place to sleep and heal because it is right. At first he is paralyzed and cannot fly, but soon he is taking steps and then fluttering and then soaring, and six months later he is whole and healed and hunting. Once he is gone, they never see him again, which means they've done their jobs right. Sex. Sexes. In 1969, a girl watches gray and white footage on her parents' tiny television and can't quite believe that what she is seeing is not a movie set, but another planet. The men on the screen look a little like aliens with bulbous heads and no faces and fat marshmallow arms, but they are still men. Her mother puffs on a cigarette behind her and declares that this is progress, even if it's just a small step. The girl grows up to be not an astronaut, but a secretary, and her boss calls her sweetheart. But sex is. A boy is taught that real men don't cry, so he doesn't. When his best friend dies from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, he locks himself in the shower every day and sobs under scalding water until it runs cold, so nobody will see him grieving, so nobody will see that tears are just love that has no place left to go. He learns to dull love rather than suppress its expression, and soon the owner of the liquor store knows him by name. Three DUIs, two evictions, and 12 steps later, he is feeding people at a homeless shelter and telling them that it's all right to cry. Sexes. The broken man tells the comedian that he didn't mean to step in front of the car, but the rain made it hard to see. He seems okay, but his leg does not. 
The comedian clutches a grubby receipt with the driver's pl- with the driver's plate number scrawled on the back in pink pen, stands out in the rain so the broken man can have his umbrella, and gives him the comedy routine that ruined his career so the man doesn't think about the pain in his leg. Once he's out of the hospital, the fixed man sends him a thank you card with kittens on it. What makes us human? Yawning is contagious, and there is a species of bird whose young we call puffings. Melodic collections of sound spaced by silence can move us to tears. The tallest building in the world is 2,717 feet tall. In less than 80 years, we went from our first powered flight to touching the moon, and in 100 from the first phone call to instantaneous connection between thinking machines of our creation. We make pies out of tree organs and let cow's milk ferment until it hardens, and then we put them together because apple pie with cheddar cheese is delicious. What makes us human is... The earliest fossils of anatomically modern humans are 200,000 years old. We have had pet dogs for 16,000 of those years, longer than corn or the wheel. The steps we take are part of one of the most energy-efficient gates in the animal kingdom has ever seen. We invented the concepts of love and hate and justice and mercy, and we invented the language to convey them. We sharpened rocks and metal to convince other people who don't hold the same idea of those things that we do because we think it's right. We are 200 millennia of love and disappointment and sorrow and innovation and mercy and kindness and dreams and failure and recovery. But sex is what makes us human. Thanks for listening. I am an Annie. I'm Kaylee. We'll see you next time. Oh my god. I'm going to take a second. Really quick. (laughs) It's hard. I've cried pretty much every time I've ever tried to read this poem, so I'm really proud of myself. I want you guys to know that Kaylee is on the verge of tears right now. (laughs) No, that was amazing.